0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back once again to the Great Scout Podcast. Today, I am joined by legendary radio and TV MC, Mr. Wink Martindale. How's it going, Wink? Going great, Michael. Delighted to be with you. Oh, well, just like everyone else and and countless others, I I grew up watching you on uh, game shows, and uh, so it's a pleasure and honor to, to have you on. Well, thank you. You're obviously a man of extremely high taste. <laughs> well, uh, I well actually, you know what? Uh, you were actually the one that made me want to go into uh, game shows. Well, actually, I used to work in a uh, uh, little bit of game shows out in California in a production assistant. But um, you were kind of the one that got me fascinated with it. You and Bob Barker. Bob, who? Bob. <laughs> <laughs> See how <I'll> quickly forget. <laughs> I'm just
1: kidding. Bob Barker is a very dear friend of mine.
0: Oh, yeah. He's he's just great at what he did, as as well as uh, you. Thank you. So so let's talk about your uh, early career. You uh, got your start in uh, radio, and uh, that's one thing I've noticed about uh, a lot of these game show hosts um, that we watched. Uh, A lot of them did come from radio.
1: Yeah. Let me give you a little background, if I may, Michael, on how I got into radio. Uh, When I was about seven or eight years old, I was fascinated, literally fascinated that you could talk into one of these things called a microphone, and if you had a radio speaker at the other end, people could hear you. It fascinated me. And so from a very young age, I wanted to be, quote unquote, on the radio. And in order to get ready to be on the radio in later years, my dad, who was a lumber inspector, uh, and, again, we didn't have a lot, but we didn't know we didn't have a lot because we didn't have it. We were very you know, minimum means. My dad didn't make a lot of money. But every Christmas, he got a $100 bonus and a year subscription to Life magazine. And so I grew up reading the pictorial Life magazine. Loved it. And I used to tear out the advertisement pages and go into the back bedroom of our little uh, three-bedroom house on Berkey Street in Jackson, Tennessee. I would close the door of the back bedroom, and I would sit there and pretend I was on the radio, and I would ad-lib around these advertisement pages. So it taught me how to sell, and it taught me how to ad-lib, and, you know, it got me ready for being on the radio. Now, fade the black and come up on a few years later, I'm 17 years old, and my Sunday school teacher uh, is manager of the local 250-watt radio station in my hometown of Jackson, Tennessee. And I used to bug him to death, whether it was at church, at Sunday school, wherever I'd see, Chick Wingate, that was his name. Uh, I said, Chick, when are you going to give me a job? When are you going to give me a job? I want to be on the radio. He would tough me off. One night, I'm sitting on the... Uh, uh, on the railing of the first national bank building in downtown Jackson, Tennessee, right on Court Square, every little town of 25 or 30,000 has its Court Square. And I'm just sitting there on one summer night, and up pulls Chick Wingate in his little Henry J automobile, and he's going to the radio station, which was on the fourth floor of the bank building. Once again, he gets out of his car, and I said, Chick, Wink, what do you want? When are you going to give me a job? I want to be on the radio. He said, come on. So we get on the elevator, and we go up to the fourth floor of the bank building, go into this little radio station, again, a little 250-watt tea kettle, and he sits me down in front of a microphone, a real microphone, and he gives me some uh, news copy from the Associated Press Newswire, a couple of commercials to read, and little does he know I've been – Practicing for this moment for years, thanks to Life Magazine and that back bedroom on Burkett Street where I practiced. So I knocked those commercials out and I knocked out that news copy like Grand Going Through Richmond. He couldn't believe it. He said, "My God, Wink!" He said, "You come down here tomorrow after you get out of school, and the mayor will be here. The mayor happened to own the radio station. Mayor George Smith. He said the mayor will be here, and if he likes what he hears, you got a job." Well, I couldn't wait for school to be out the next day. I was in my senior year of high school, and I rushed down to WPRI on the fourth floor of the bank building. And again, Chick Wingate sits me down in front of that same microphone, gives me that same news copy and those commercials. And again, I knock them out without any problem whatsoever. Mayor George Smith said, Wink, you've got yourself a job. 25 bucks a week, it was my start in radio,
0: and now I'm up to $35 a week. Wow, so you, uh, so you progressed pretty quickly there. <laughs> well,
1: I don't believe the part about the $35, but I was thrilled to get that job. And I was in Jackson for a couple of years, honing my trade. And uh, I auditioned for uh, the radio job that I always wanted. My dream job was the morning radio show on WHBQ in Memphis. And uh, I sent an audition tape. Thinking I'd never hear from them. I and mean, sure enough, within two weeks, they got back to me and they wanted me to drive over to Memphis for uh, an interview. And so I was, it was like an out of body experience. My dad drove me over. I didn't have a car. My dad drove me over, had the interview. Uh, within a week, they had hired me. And guess what? It was to do the morning show on WHBQ Radio, my dream job, Clock Watchers. And so that was. That was really what kicked me off, and then while I was at WHBQ, I uh, uh, was approached, uh, when they went the air with a television station in 1953, would you like to do a television show? And of course, I just wanted to be on the radio, and now somebody's asking me if I want to be on television, too. So they... Uh, came up with this idea for a kid show and they called it Wink, Martindale and the Mars Patrol. It was a little space-oriented show with six little Mars guards, six, seven, eight years old. We'd drink our Bosco and milk and we'd uh, blast off, so to speak, and then segue into those old Rocky Jones Space Ranger sea uh, movies that were shown on Saturday afternoon between uh, feature, double feature movies and... Uh, and that's how I got into television. And uh, that was immediately successful. I did it for two years, and then they wanted me to do a teenage dance party. I was sort of a Dick Clark of Memphis when American Bandstand was so being in 56. So I started doing that, and that became successful every Saturday for an hour and a half, sponsored by Coca-Cola. I was would go on, look, sync their records, and the no kids would dance from the various high schools. And that's where I... Uh, Interviewed, uh, I did the first film interview with Elvis Presley. He had become my friend because one night in July of 1954 at WHBQ Radio, I happened to be there the night Sam Phillips walked in. Sam, of course, the gentleman who founded Sun Records, he walked in with a, with a recording that he had made two hours earlier by a truck driver named Elvis Presley. And he gave it to the DJ to play. Want to test it? Uh, Dewey Phillips was the DJ's name. And he did a show at nine, to at midnight every night, called Red Hot and Blue. He played black music for white kids in those days. So he played That's All Right, Mama, this new record by Elvis. And uh, the switchboard lit up like a Christmas tree. He played it seven times in a row. I was the one designated to call Gladys and Vernon and his mom and dad to find out where Elvis was because Dewey wanted him to come down to the radio station so he could interview it. And so I found, and Mrs. Presley and Mr. Presley were listening to the radio show, and uh, they were excited. And uh, I said, Mr. Presley, where is Elvis? She said, well, he was so nervous about his record being played. He went to a double-feature Western. He's at the Suizora's Theater on Decatur Street. She said, we'll go get him and bring him down to WHBQ, which they did. And I met him that night. He became my friend. And uh, Michael, he remained my friend until the day he died.
0: Do you, uh, do you remember the last time that you spoke to Elvis before he passed away?
1: Yeah, Sandy, uh, for my birthday in 1976, took me to see uh, one of Elvis's shows at the International Hotel in Las Vegas. And uh, uh, he knew we were there. In fact, we were there as his guests. And between shows, he wanted us to come backstage and talk to him. Uh, and so we did. We went into his dressing room. It was packed with people. And uh, he just wanted to talk to us. I remember he was standing behind the bar, and he had seen Sandy and me that day on Tales, which was a show on CBS, How Much Do You Know About Your Spouse? Uh, and we won for the day. And he couldn't get over how much detail we knew about each other. Now you gotta remember that before I ever met my wife uh, of 44 years, she dated Elvis, or she likes to say Elvis dated her for six years. And so uh, that's how he knew uh, Sandy, and of course I had met him that night in 1954. And I'll never forget something he said, Michael, that I never forgot when we were leaving I said, Sandy, can you imagine Elvis looking at me eyeball to eyeball and saying, Wink, look how well you've done. Look, look how successful you've been. All the game shows, I'm so proud of you. Wow. Uh, I said, can you imagine Elvis saying that to me? <laughs> That's all I would say to him, but it made me proud. But um, I remember so well uh, that night because uh, he only had a, less than a year to live. And I, uh, he was pudgy and he wasn't. He didn't look healthy. He was uh, pasty looking and he way overweight. He was still doing great on stage. He never faltered in the performances that he did. He never. When he walked out on that stage, whether he was big or, or small, he 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 knocked it out of the park. And when we got back to the hotel after seeing him that night in 1976, we closed the door behind us at our hotel. And I looked at Sandy and she looked at me and I said, Sandy. That's the last time we'll ever see Elvis alive, and within a year, he was gone. We, we literally cried our eyes out that night. Yeah. Did you go to uh, Elvis' funeral? Were you there when uh, for the funeral? No, I didn't make it back. We were in Los Angeles, and i, I it was just impossible for us to get back.
0: Oh, okay. So, um, so let's uh, talk about... Uh, And and so I know that you're also a a man of uh, deep faith, and uh, as as am I. And uh, I'm interested in learning about your uh, faith journey. Um, How was it that you uh, came to know uh, Jesus Christ as your Savior? Well, I was 12 years
1: old. I was brought up in a Christian home. Both my mom and dad were devout uh, believers. We belonged to the Lambeth Memorial Methodist Church, uh, right off the campus of Lambeth College in Jackson, Tennessee. So. Um, I came, I had four siblings, there were five of us total, uh, seven living in this little house and we were brought up, uh, in a Christian home and we were taught to go to church on Sunday, whether we really felt like it or not. Yeah, yeah. You know, there are some days you get up and go, oh, I got to go to church. <laughs> we put on our, our Sunday best and we'd go to church on Sunday morning. We'd go to Sunday school, first of all, then church. And then on Sunday night, we would go back to Sunday night service. Yeah. And on Wednesday night, we went to prayer meeting. (laughs) So that's the way it was my entire life. And when I was 12 years old, uh, I took the walk down the aisle uh, and gave my life to Christ. And uh, I've never looked back, and I've always been proud of the fact. And sorry, really, that I didn't do it sooner. But God calls you when he needs you. Yeah. Um, it, it was a while, uh, like I said, I was 12, didn't happen when I was 7 or 8 or 9, it happened when I was 12, and uh, I've been a Christian ever since. I've swayed uh, from uh, things I should have done at times, but we, we none of us are perfect, but uh, I always get back to, uh, to my Christian ways.
0: So, uh, so you still attend church these days, uh, you and uh, Mrs. Martindale? yes. That's that's great. I think we need, uh, there needs to be a lot more Christians inside of uh, show business and, and, and entertainment in general. And it's good to good to have you in, in the business, sir.
1: Well, I think that I think that there are more Christians in the business than we give credit to because a lot of believers, for whatever reason, uh, won't admit to being a Christian because you know, to some people, uh, that's that sort of is a put off, you know. Uh, if you will. But uh, I'm proud of the fact that I'm a believer, and uh, I'm proud to uh, profess my belief in in, uh, in in the Lord. Absolutely. Absolutely. I cannot agree with you more. And um, I had a, you may know this, but I had a, a hit record for God in 1959 about a soldier who used a deck of cards in church during World War II because he didn't have a Bible. And that record has followed me my entire career, called Deck of Cards. The ace was one God. The Deuce, the Old and the New Testament, and all the way through uh, the cards uh, is this testament to uh, to the Bible, and uh, it sold uh, triple platinum. It's been a hit in England on five different occasions, and I have people to this day, Michael, who say, "Are you the same Wing Martindale who recorded that that record, Deck of Cards?" <laughs> and my answer is always the same, Michael. I say, "Do you think there are two people walking the planet?" with a silly name like Wink. <laughs> I said,
0: yes, that is me. that is me, and I'm proud of that recording. So uh, there's a, and I know you hosted a record, well, 19 game shows, and uh, when, when game shows were really popular, and... Um, Unfortunately, I think that uh, game shows might have gone downhill ever since, because uh, I know you see the comedians uh, that are now hosting it, like Steve Harvey and Drew Carey. But um, uh, there's one or two uh, game shows I wanted to ask you about, and um, one of my favorites that you did was High Rollers that uh, Alex Trebek used to host.
1: Yeah, Alex did it first, and I, uh, I, I, I'm i proud to take his uh, cash-offs. <laughs> I, uh, I did it secondly, and... Uh, I think I did it for three seasons uh, at CBS, and I always thought it should have had a longer run because a wonderful show. And, of course, everybody knows, knew how to play it. It's kind of like tic-tac-toe. It was so simple because everybody knew you didn't have a long list of rules. Uh, with tic-tac, you either got a, uh, an X diagonally, up and down, or horizontally. And uh, if you did, you won. If you didn't, you lost. And and with high rollers, you know, you roll the dice, and if you get a 7 or an 11, you win. And if you come up with a magic number and you roll it before you – if you roll a 7 or 11 before you hit your number, you lose, you know. Yeah. You, don't have, you don't have to explain that. Everybody knows how that's played. But I always enjoyed high rollers, and uh, it was – it has to be among my top three of, of my all-time favorites. By the way, I didn't host – Nineteen shows. Uh, I think you mentioned that I either hosted or produced uh, a total of twenty-one. Or twenty-one, sure. yeah,
0: yeah. My my apologies, there, sir.
1: That's okay. But you know, I did. You know what I tell people is, I I did too many shows because I never could hold a job. Oh.
0: <laughs> there's there's quite a few hosts like you uh, like you there, Mr. Martindale. So uh Oh, well, call me Mr. Martindale now. I feel old enough. Call me Wayne. <laughs> Okay. Okay. That that sounds good. Uh, so, um, so you had mentioned uh, Tic Tac Doe and uh, you had uh, some of the highest prize and money winners there. Um, one of them, in particular, Tom Tom McKee, who won, I think, over two hundred twenty three thousand dollars. Was it? Yeah, it was uh, more than that. It was uh, like
1: more like 317 Part oh, three hundred seventeen. Yeah. and he won eight automobiles, eight Buicks, and uh, he he gave one of the cars to his brother, who was a missionary in Africa. And then he sold the rest of them and bought himself a bright, shiny new four-door Mercedes, which was his, the car of his dreams. And he still has, he looked very successful in real estate now over the years. We stay in touch. In fact, I'm going to see him out here uh, a week from now. He's going to play in a golf tournament at uh, Riverside in Burbank, California. And uh, we're having dinner that uh, Saturday night, a week from Saturday. But uh, Tom, was a, he was the quintessential contestant. I asked Dan Enright, our producer, I said, what? why was he the quintessential contestant? Why was he so good? And Dan said, well, if you remember, he, was, he wore the uniform of our country. He was in the uh, Navy. He was a naval lieutenant from San Diego. And uh, he had a beautiful wife named Jenny. And Jenny came to all the tapings and sat in the audience. And uh, she just happened to be pregnant. And so he he had a great knowledge of just basic trivia. So uh, we got to know each other. In fact, he was on for 47 straight days. He was on uh, longer than anybody else. Uh, He was in the Guinness Book of World Records until Ken Jennings came along on Jeopardy and broke that record. But uh, he was—he was a great guy, and uh, I still enjoy uh, getting together with him and talking to him, and Jenny. And uh, so
0: we look forward to seeing him next week. Well, that's—that's pretty cool. I mean, that's one thing I was going to ask you if you had—if uh, if you still talk to him or not. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> so uh, there's also one other show that I wanted to ask you about, and uh, this was one show that I—I uh, I think I had told you before that I uh, would watch on a regular basis, and that is uh, Death. Yeah, that's a
1: a favorite of mine. In fact, I'm trying to get the lights right now as we speak so that uh, we can do a new version of debt. I would love to do that show again uh, for millennials. Maybe call it millennial debt. Oh, Uh, yes. Pay off uh, college debt instead of credit card debt as we used to. (laughs) So uh, I'm still very much interested in debt. It's owned by the Disney uh, organization. And it's kind of hard to get rights from them. <laughs> right. And, but we're working at it. And uh, don't be surprised if you see debt back on the air one of these days. I would, I, I
0: would absolutely love that. I'd be reliving my childhood pretty much. Well, good. Good. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so Wink, uh, what do you, uh, so when you're not working, what do you like to do in your free time um, when you're not working or that, where things take over a lot of your time? Well, my wife and I have been
1: married for 44 years. We have lived in the same home in Calabasas, California, for 25 years, and just uh, three days ago, uh, we finally decided to downsize. We had this big home, 6,000 square feet, two people, and so we put it on the market. And uh, we have uh, made an offer on a home in Palm Desert, California, down by Palm Springs. So. Uh, we're going to be, uh, I guess, well, by the end of this year, we'll be uh, residents of uh, in the desert. I love it down there. And you asked me what I like to do. I, I used to play a lot of tennis. I don't play golf, but uh, they have great tennis courts there. And I fully expect to get back into uh, playing some uh, doubles tennis with uh, members of the country club that we'll be a member of. But that's what I like to do, and I'm still involved, as, as you might imagine, in developing game shows, and um, that's what I like to do. I, somebody asked me just about a week or so ago, did you ever think about retiring? And I always use a, a phrase that <laughs> uh, Art Linkletter used years ago. I plagiarized what he said. Somebody asked him, he said, Art, do you ever think about retiring? He said, retire from what? Hell, I'm not tired. And yeah. <laughs> 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 that's the way I feel. I enjoy it. I enjoy the battle. I enjoy climbing the mountain and trying to sell things and do things. It's still exciting to me.
0: Someone had asked Milton Borough one time, um, are you going to retire Uncle Melty? And Uncle Melty went to what? What what, what would I be retiring to? Because I pretty much do everything as it is. I'd be doing a fun retirement. Yeah,
1: Yeah. what do you do when you retire? How how much golf can you play? How much tennis can you play? (laughs) You know, you you
0: need something to keep the old mind active. Right, absolutely, and uh, so so you're going to be moving down there, and uh, so what do you what do you think of uh, game shows today uh, as opposed to when when you hosted them? Um,
1: well, I think uh, there's still some good game shows. Family Feud is one of the best games ever created, and it's pop more popular than ever. Um, I don't particularly like what they've done with Match Game. Oh um, yeah, yeah, no, and uh, but I love. Uh, Michael Strahan, doing uh, $100,000 Pyramid, I think he does a terrific job. So you mentioned a while ago not many game shows on the air. Actually, quite a few game shows on the air and some new game shows on Game Show Network. Uh, but, I, uh, you know, game shows, as I always point out, have been around since the early days of radio, and game shows will always be a staple on television, whether... Uh, uh, whether it's, it's an original game or a classic game like Tic-Tac-Toe, they're talking about bringing that back. In fact, I'm trying to get the rights to that to do a new version of Tic-Tac-Toe. Now, I wouldn't necessarily be the host, but I'd love to produce that. But uh, I, like, I, I don't watch a lot of game shows. I don't, I don't watch a lot of television, really. I, I'm into sports. I watch baseball, and I watch football, uh, and I watch tennis. You know the open uh, in uh, New York City. I really enjoyed that with the finals coming up this weekend. Um, but uh, television I don't I don't spend a lot of time in, in in front of the television screen. but when I do and when I do see uh, an occasional game show, I think they do a pretty darn good job. I think Steve Harvey's terrific.
0: yeah he, uh, he also is a uh, fellow believer as well. Yes, he is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Wink, uh, let me ask you one more question here, and then then I'll let you go. And you've been uh, very generous with your time. Um, uh, What advice would you give to someone who uh, wants to get into uh, show business?
1: Well, I've been asked that question before, and my answer is generally the same, Michael. Uh, First of all, uh, to be in television, whether we're talking about game shows or whatever, Uh, to be in the business, you really need to be a people person. I've always felt like I was a people person. You have to like people. You just have to have a love of of being around people and and conversing with people. And I always also like to say, if it is at all possible, get as, as much education as you can. Learn as much you can about as many different subjects, whether you go to college or whether you finish high school. Uh, just take get as much education as you can. Even just reading, reading uh, history and, and English, and uh, bone up on everything you can because it helps you in every way when you're in the tough business that uh, is called showbiz. It ain't easy, and uh, if it were easy, everybody'd be in it. I think, but uh, not all that easy. But it's uh, if you have if you have the will, and and you have the uh, determination you can make it
0: absolutely um yeah that's that's really good advice yeah that is really good advice like i said i used to work in uh at paramount studios uh worked on a couple of run-throughs for a game show but they they never made it to the air unfortunately but but it's still a very fun experience to work in game shows yeah very fun well, you, know, you can do a lot worse than playing games for a living Oh, absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Well, uh, Wink Marmdale, thank you so much, sir, for coming on the show. My, my, uh, my uh, privilege and honor, uh, Michael. And uh, we'll do it again someday. Well, thank you, sir. God, God bless you, sir. And uh, tell Mrs. Marmdale hello from me. Will do. God bless. Bye. Bye. Bye.